0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number five of Through the Clouds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Schiedemeyer, joining alongside my favorite co-host, Ava Albright. And we hope you're having a fantastic week, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We have quite the exciting lineup coming to you. Yes, we do. Uh, We got some good aviation stories for the week. Of course, we're going to bring it on to some aviation news stories from around the industry. We're going to lighten up your day with not only the warm weather that's happening this week, but we got some aviation jokes headed your way, as well as the featured incident of the week and the featured airport of the week. So stay tuned for those because you're not going to want to miss what we got going on at the end of the show today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, this last week for us being college students in a part 141 program was the Easter break. um, And... Because of Easter break, there wasn't a lot of flying going on, so I don't have any. I don't think we have yeah. any stories this week from behind the controls of an aircraft. Nope. but Eva, you've got quite the exciting weekend coming up here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I do. So I am going to Key West for the air show at the NAS Key West Air Base. Oh, um, so um, it's, at the, base. it's at the air base. Yes, wow. it is at the naval base. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, so, I'm not going to talk too much about the air show this week, be- just because I want to save that for next week, has something to talk about. Um, but I will talk about the journey to get there and the journey to get back, because we're trying some new stuff. So, first of all, um, I'm flying Delta on the way down, of course. Love Delta. Of course.
0: Ava is quite the Delta girl, I, unfortunately. Yeah. Not unfortunately.
1: <laughs> um, so, I'm flying out of O'Hare, Obviously. And then are going to be flying into Miami. I do have a layover, though, in LaGuardia.
0: New York's LaGuardia new York. Airport. What an exciting layover, never especially being a Delta passenger, because that yeah. terminal is brand new.
1: Yeah. Um, and so you've never, never you, never, you said never you've flown, never, flown, never been there. Never been to New York.
0: Never been to New York either. Wow. Nope. Such so an I'm exciting ex- time.
1: I'm excited to fly in. That'll be really cool. And obviously fly out, too but of course yes yeah, so but an hour and a half later over there that is where I'm meeting my sister so we're both going to meet up there she's flying out of Milwaukee um hi Belle I'll see you in New York <laughs> <laughs> you've listening, what an
0: exciting thing to say
1: yeah um and then from there I'll be going to Miami um not not too not too much exciting going on there just because I've flown in Miami before in yeah. Florida, Miami.
0: And the Delta Terminal at Miami is not the nicest. Well, the terminal Delta out Terminal
1: there. at Miami is nice. The United It's and mediocre. The Southwest terminals at Miami are not good. Yeah. The American and Delta Terminals are by far the best. Besides the International Terminal.
0: Well, Ma- or Delta shares with the international terminal.
1: Yeah. But um, you know, obviously Americans do this because they, they own, basically the airport. own the airport. <laughs> um so yeah, doing that I get to fly on a Airbus A two twenty. From Are you flying O'Hare on the to LaGuardia? Do you
0: know if you're flying on the 100, 100. or the 300? So 100. that that is Delta's Delta mainline's smallest aircraft in their fleet. It's smaller than the 717.
1: I am very excited, um, especially because I've never flown on one and Jared's very jealous that I'm flying on one.
0: I am quite jealous. The A220 is one of my favorite aircraft. Yeah. And the fact that she's flying on one and I won't be.
1: So I was going to upgrade to comfort because I saw I found a good deal yesterday. That I could upgrade to comfort for only one thousand nine hundred miles, and I checked the seats, and there's only one comfort seat open because obviously I've been checking because I love myself some Delta comfort. Of course. Um, it was an aisle seat. I was very torn because it's like a two-hour twenty-minute flight, but it's an aisle seat.
0: I think the window would be worth it every time.
1: Exactly, especially because I'm flying to nowhere I've been before.
0: I mean, did and I? It's I, just
1: so much more comfortable because I can sleep anywhere. So sleeping on planes. Is one of my favorite favorite things to do besides looking outside. Of course, planes and flying them, but obviously I don't sleep when I'm flying. But
0: true. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully you're not flying sleeping behind the controls.
1: When I'm a passenger, I do let myself some sleep on an airplane.
0: Yeah, that that is that is pretty fun. Yeah. And of course, I don't know if you know this. I mean, you you know the story, but for those of you at home, there's one time I was offered a Delta first class seat, and I actually opted for instead of the upgrade. I opted for a road to myself and economy because the first class seat was an aisle seat. And I was flying into Key West, which has amazing views. Mm -hmm. And I would have rather, I mean, I would have had, the only difference would have been the food and drink offering in first class would have been significantly better. But I really, really wanted that window view.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, flying into Key West is so pretty. So yeah, um, flying into Miami. And then of course I'm flying out of Key West just because... Easier, more convenient. I think it was cheaper, actually, to be honest. Really? Which is very surprising. I'm flying United back, nonstop flight from Key West to Chicago. It was a very, very cheap flight.
0: Wow. That is surprising. That Um, is surprising.
1: It is on an Embraer E-170.
0: So it's not the 175. It's the 170. No, it's the 170. That's also Um, a rare aircraft.
1: It is. I know. It's very crazy. Wow. Because it is literally a nonstop flight. Three-hour flight. It's, it, I mean,
0: wow, it's What what I, What a good deal. Like, seriously, the ticket deal. was, like, $170. An avgeek stream right here.
1: Yeah, for sure. I've never flown on that plane either before. The so.
0: Embraer 170. Nope. I can't say I've flown on the 170. I think I've just flown on the, the 175.
1: Yeah, well, that should be exciting. Um, Should be a good flight. I moved my seat up. As of now, I have a, a row to myself, but the row is only two seats. So,
0: okay. But well, we will crossed, see. Fingers crossed. Keep that us updated on the podcast next week, Monday. For sure. And we can find out if
1: I got a seat to myself If or you got
0: a seat yourself. It looks and like a
1: pretty empty flight. We're
0: going to want a full review, a full review of the flight. Okay. Uh, if you guys follow us over on Instagram at TT Clouds Podcast, uh, you can see some photos from Ava's flight. She'll yeah, take a picture of the seat that. and do a little a flight review. Mm-hmm. So, for yeah, sure. that'll be exciting.
1: That will be exciting. I'm very excited. A lot of new things going on this weekend. I guess I've also never run to that air show, so
0: yeah, that is true. That
1: should be very very exciting. It should warm, very warm weather. Tonight. It should be not very to say warm. it's not. I mean, it's not going to be cold here, so it's not like I'm leaving cold weather. Um, but it's definitely going to be more more warm there, so I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of leaving things, yes. Uh, let's let's um think about what our um uh, next segment yeah. is going to be. Um there's something that we do every single week and I just can't remember what it is. Do you remember what no. it is? Boy, I th- I'm thinking that it has something to do with these stories or something like that that we talk about. Do you, do you know what it is? No. Oh, wait, is it the news? Maybe. Okay. This is your weekly aviation news with Through the Clouds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Schumer, alongside Ava Albright, and we are here to present on this week's news. And I said before, Ava, talking about things that people leave on board, the, voice <laughs> the, the severe voice change, uh, talking about things that people leave on board aircraft, um, an Air China flight was delayed for 90 minutes because after they pushed back from the gate... They returned to the gate to grab a women's iPhone that she left in the terminal.
1: That is insane. She left it, where'd she leave it?
0: Uh, in the terminal.
1: In the terminal? Yeah. Interesting. That is, I mean, wow. All yeah. of that for a phone.
0: Yeah, the uh, a passenger on board says that the aircraft remained parked with the door open for about a uh, forty-five minutes or so, with no announcements made regarding the reasons to the turn back to the gate or how long they would be delayed. And then um, they said that uh, they, they told the passenger, the crew eventually told the passenger specifically that they that the press another passenger lost their phone and involuntarily voluntarily decided to get off the plane in order to retrieve it. Um, And there was police on board um, because passengers started surrounding the crew because they had no idea what was going on why they returned to the gate if there was a problem with the aircraft. So... This is, this is quite, it's not the first time this has happened over in China.
1: I mean, I would for sure be mad if this happened, like if I was on a plane and we had to turn back because someone left their phone, but at the same time, it'd also be very sad if I was the person who lost my phone.
0: Yeah. But I mean, would you expect the entire aircraft no. have to turn around for you? No. Like, I don't know.
1: And also the, uh, I mean, lack of information they were giving other passengers too. Exactly. Like, that could,
0: That's 90 minutes on the ground. Yeah. With no information.
1: For sure. Yeah, that's.
0: That is quite interesting if mm-hmm. you ask me.
1: For sure.
0: Uh, what do else you, you got? Um, I also, um, the industry um, analytics of aviation have come back with February 2023's most on-time performance uh, airlines in the world. And coming in at number one um, with... Flying 15,254 flights during the February period, KLM earned an on-time performance of 89%.
1: That is awesome. Good for them.
0: That means 15,200 flights and 89% left on and arrived on time.
1: I mean, you can do the math yourself, but I mean, that's still really really good for Actually, them. Actually
0: that that math was uh okay. about yeah. 12,400 flights that left on time wow. and arrived on time as well.
1: Does it say the time delays
0: for Uh there are some other uh airlines that ended up doing uh pretty good. Delta Airlines maintained Ooh. its top position with North America with 84% job, Austrian Delta. Airlines was Europe's Um, Best carrier outside of um, the KLM with an 88.09% on-time rate. Uh, We have um, Copa Airlines took the top position for South America with 94% of flights departing and arriving on-time, but they had less flights overall. So that's why KLM takes the top spots because they had more flights in general. Um, And then uh, a a very impressive um, underdog was in the Middle East and Africa, a low-cost carrier, SAF Air, hit 94% on-time performance, which is almost unheard of for a low-cost carrier.
1: That's exciting.
0: So congratulations to them. Not Um, surprised
1: about Delta, though. No.
0: No. I'm not surprised as well uh, uh, either because uh, they've just been having stunning on-time performance.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, so. uh, That doesn't
1: change when I'm flying Delta.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully not.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, By percentage of flights, the rest of the top five in the world, so it was KLM number one, Avianca and Latam Airlines in South America took the second and third uh, place then we have Japan Airlines taking fourth place. And lastly, in fifth, that was Delta Airlines. Wow. So, congratulations, everyone, yeah. on a fantastic February month and keep up the good work. Yeah. Aviation, or Aviation, <laughs> Ava, Ava go. Aviation, do you have any uh, news stories for us this week?
1: Well, um, this may not come as a shocker to some people if you follow Ryanair's history. Um, But a Ryanair 737 suffered a nose gear collapse on landing at Dublin Airport. Oh, boy. Um,
0: Another, Another thing to add to the Ryanair bad landing jokes.
1: So if you don't really know much about Ryanair, I think one of the few things you should know is that they, I think going on rankings... Are probably number one for the worst landings out there,
0: and not dangerous landings. We're just talking firm, rough landings. Yes, Um, and they have been made an internet sensation meme because of the rough landings.
1: Yep. So, I mean, they get they make it back on the ground safely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing dangerous about what they're doing. Nope. Uh, It's just ironic that the nose gear collapsed due to. I mean, it was not due to a hard landing. Uh, per se, um, it just happened.
1: Yeah. So, um, runway two eight. It was, um, it was on final. Came in nose gear just decided to collapse right on landing. Um, it was coming from Liverpool John Lennon Airport um, to Dublin Airport, obviously. So everyone was okay. Uh, it was a seven thirty seven eight hundred, so very popular plane. It doesn't seem to have caused much of a ruckus. No, the
0: only thing that I can see from the the traffic report is that it unfortunately closed the runway at Dublin's uh, airport uh, for quite some time, Hmm. uh, which um, resulted in traffic having to hold and be uh, delayed into the airport.
1: So, yeah, that, I mean, it's very interesting. You know, Ryanair just hasn't had the best luck lately.
0: I guess. Yeah, they, they really haven't. But uh, this is one of the first incidents that Ryanair has ever yeah. endured. So they have a phenomenal safety record.
1: I think the tough landings just added up on the plane. Took a toll. But... <laughs>
0: or something like that, right? Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. Speaking
0: of having a tough time landing, a South African pilot was recently praised for landing an aircraft with a live Cobra inside the cockpit. Wow!
1: Didn't he know it was in there?
0: Not um, on taking off. So the pilot was thirty-year-old Rudolf Erasmus. Uh, landed the aircraft after discovering the discovering the venomous sta- snake that was on board. He was un- unaware of the snake until he found something, felt something cold underneath his shirt by the hip, and that was a very dangerous. Cobra.
1: So it, it didn't bite him or anything or whatever?
0: It did not bite him. Thankfully, because cobras are one of the most deadly yeah. snakes in the entire world.
1: That is crazy. Did it say what plane he was in?
0: And um, it was interesting because uh, it did not it did not see what okay. aircraft it was in. It looked like a small propeller aircraft that was a commuter aircraft. Okay. Um, they searched the aircraft upon landing, oh. and they could not find the snake. So they thought the guy was making it up or it ran out into the wild. But that was not the case because as they were loading up for the next aircraft, they found the cobra again hiding in the cargo. Really, hold.
1: I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's scary. Oh like
0: That is very scary. But congratulations to Erasmus for successfully landing the aircraft safely. Yeah. That is some big deal. Do- Ava, do you have any other Aviation news for us this week?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, this is definitely interesting, I'd say. The FAA, or Federal Aviation Administration, they decided to award $19 million in research grants to 14 different universities across the nation in an effort to reduce noise pollution associated with aviation.
0: Very interesting. We know those of you that do not like aviation that live near airports will be very excited about this. I
1: just don't understand how people don't like this on the planes. I don't know either. be a little biased. That is true. But, um, so yeah, that sounds like, I mean, pretty good. Um, uh, with the best minds, they say they can reduce noise and fly with net zero emissions by 2050. The FAA administrator, Billy Nolan said that, um, some of the, uh, um, universities that are included are Georgia Tech, Penn State, Stanford, Purdue, Boston University, University of Pennsylvania, University of Illinois, Missouri, Missouri um, University of Dayton, University of Hawaii, University of North Carolina, and the University of Tennessee.
0: Which surprising out of all of those. I think only one of them have an aviation department. Otherwise, Purdue. they're all... Um. Uh, none. Oh, sorry. I guess two of them.
1: Which? What other one? Are
0: you uh, say the University of Illinois also has a new vision. Why you two? Oh, really? Yes. So threes. okay. Or Three does I'm sorry. Does the University of Illinois have one, or is that Southern Illinois University? Think, I'm thinking you know, that's of. Southern
1: Illinois. Okay. Okay. So two.
0: I guess still the, the number didn't change. Yeah, still two, which is quite interesting that for sure. Uh, they're doing an aviation study at non-aviation universities. They would probably have some sort of bias if they were at an aviation university.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, 19 million, though. That's a pretty large amount.
0: That sure is.
1: All for, all for the noise of planes.
0: I mean, um, I know that Chicago Executive Airport here in the Chicagoland region yeah. spends millions of dollars a year because they have a program where instead of calling in to complain about the noise of aircraft, homeowners can elect to have the airport pay to have their windows replaced to higher noise reduction windows. Really? So they hear the aircraft less.
1: It is just, I mean, it's so interesting to me, like... I feel like I'd purposely pick a place to live where there's heavier traffic. Like, I, will, I like being here because we have Southwest and any plane landing at Midway fly right over us. Exactly. So, I don't. I and mean, it doesn't bother me. I don't think I, no. wait,
0: I don't wake up. Because of it, like, but
1: yes, I wake up at 5 a.m. hearing a private jet takeoff from here, but I'm not mad about it.
0: No, I, I wake up and I'm like, ooh, where's this plane going yeah. today? <laughs> That's a good start to my day. That's so
1: why I keep my window a crack open just so I can hear it Exactly, loud and clear. But yeah, so.
0: Very exciting. That's
1: what I have for you. Yeah. I
0: noticed that in that study, it talks about using eVTOL uh, air taxis, which is just stands for Electric Vertical Takeoff Land Air Taxis. Um, and recently, United Airlines and partner Archer Aviation announced that they are bringing eVTOLs to Chicago in 2025. Wow. They are going to have nonstop service from Chicago's Vertiport. Uh, which is just outside um, the Chicago Loop in downtown Chicago, uh, and they are going to have air taxi service from there to Chicago's O'Hare International Airport as a United airline service.
1: Is the blue line not enough for people
0: anymore? I guess the blue line is not enough.
1: I mean, I guess good for United, you know they're they're I mean moving up, you know, but I mean the supersonic planes. The and
0: this is one of the one of the first ev tolls announced from any commercial air service uh, within the united states wow and um it is the first of ev toll service within chicago um as a whole and they say that the ride from the airport to the vertiport or vice versa will take roughly 10 minutes
1: does it give an estimate on cost
0: um, I don't think I saw a cost. They said that um, the 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 Vertiport boasts thirty thousand square feet of space. They hope to launch by twenty twenty five, which is now less than twenty months away. So they are they are getting all ramped up for this. Um, they said that um, the parent company Archer. Is trying to launch um, EV toll service in both Miami and Los Angeles for other partnering airlines, but the question is, will United stop that and have an exclusivity program with Archer to fly just United air, Airlines air taxi services?
1: So United is going to be one of the first for air taxi services and one of the first to get supersonic planes back. Exactly, that's very exciting. Speaking of supersonic planes, though, I did I was watching a documentary the other day um it was basically about air force one and like their plans to change in the future boom supersonic is trying to like make a contract with them to i did not create know the that. new air force one really yes there it's between three or four different types of supersonic planes different companies manufacturers are building them wow boom supersonic is one of the higher ones just because they're further along in the process but that's, and I mean, that's that government cool.
0: funding that they would get from that yeah. contract would be huge for Boom Supersonic.
1: Yeah. I also, in this documentary, I was talking about how Air Force One has a gym in in the plane. Does it really? Apparently.
0: Wow. Is that just like a couple like weights or is it like actual machines no idea. and stuff?
1: I mean, like they can't really show pictures.
0: That is a good point.
1: that's just, you know, I'd like to tour Air Force One.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that is very exciting. Congratulations to Archer. We are super excited to see you flying the Friendly Skies in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, now it is time for your favorite segment. It's my favorite segment. It is the weekly aviation jokes. And this week we have a special joke that was yes, sent in from, from my a special guest. special guest, Lisa, from Wisconsin, has sent Shout in out. a joke. And, yeah, yeah take it away. thank you for
1: sending the joke. Okay. A Delta airplane was flying at 30,000 feet at 500 miles per hour. Suddenly, a fighter jet pulls up and slows down beside it and radios it. Boring flight, huh, Delta? Watch this. The fighter proceeds to flip upside down and speed break, or speed up, sorry, breaking the sound barrier before corkscrewing to skim the ocean and coming back up beside the Delta jet. What'd you think? The Delta pilot replies, not bad, but look at this. The Delta pilot, the Delta jet proceeds to fly straight for the next five minutes before the pilot comes on the radio again. See, the fighter jet, or sorry, the fighter pilot is per, I can't say this word.
0: Perplexed?
1: No, it's not what it says.
0: Um, it is, the fighter jet is perturbed. 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 Okay.
1: I don't, that's a weird word.
0: It's not that weird. It's like annoyed. It's like irritated.
1: Okay, I've never heard it before, honestly. <laughs> Uh, and that's the vocabulary list. Okay, sorry. I don't get it. What did you do? I got up, stretched my legs, went to the galley kitchen, and got a cinnamon bun.
0: <laughs> now that is a funny joke.
1: Can I tell that joke? That that joke was that actually in.
0: really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Lisa, yeah. for sending that in. If you have any more jokes that you would like to send in, please send us a message at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any questions, any questions, make sure to send them over. And I do actually have a question this week that I totally forgot to put in the show notes. What was it? The question was from Katrina. Okay. And in Wisconsin. And she asks, Why do aircraft not take a direct route? Why do like if they're going from New York to London? Why do they curve into the North Atlantic and back into London? And I have a great answer for that question. Yeah. And it is a lot simpler than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, it is because the Earth is curved. And when you look at flight radar imagery on a two dimensional map, it, it is curved. But in reality, the aircraft are actually going <laughs> in a straight line uh, from one airport to the next. But because of the way the Earth is curved, it just looks like you're doing a weird arch over the ocean.
1: That Yeah, I will say, though, we had a pilot talk to us about this on the United Tour. Yes. Um, back, how many weeks ago was that, like, two? Um, he was talking about how they are kind of, in their flight plans, they are given... Almost, there's almost like certain barriers or restrictions that they have to fly within when they're flying over the Atlantic.
0: And those are called the NATs or North Atlantic Track System.
1: Yep. So all these planes are kind of staying within these couple different tracks.
0: Yeah. There's anywhere um, from five to 15 tracks, all labeled different things.
1: Yeah. So they're, um, there's like the east to west ones and then the west to east ones. Um, basically, these planes are staying within different height limits apart and- Um, distances so when the but when these planes like let's say need to divert or something like that they can go either to the right or the left uh, about a couple miles um, and then that's when they can descend or ascend and
0: yeah they're 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 expected to go outside of the track to change their course and the whole reason why we have this track system set up is because there is um little to no radio frequency or radar capabilities over the North Atlantic, so we have to develop this track system to allow aircraft to still fly safely, although they are not in contact with anyone.
1: Yeah, so I mean that was pretty cool to hear. Pretty cool to learn. It's kind of interesting now, when, like when you're looking at flight Rider and you see all of these planes kind of on top of each other almost, and you check them and they're all like a thousand feet apart. But
0: yeah, those are an RVSM minimums, reverse mm-hmm. vertical re- reduced vertical separation minima, which Mindless. allows. Um, which allows it to go uh, to a thousand feet, so so super cool. cool. So thank you for your question. And yeah, Yeah. they they do draw a straight line. Um, You'll notice that if the route is more directly across the world from each other, for example, New York to Singapore happens to be almost directly across from each other. um, And pending all airspace, including Russia's, is open right now. They have to take a a different route because Russia airspace is not open. Mm -hmm. But it used to be; Mm -hmm. it looked like it just went straight north. And then all of a sudden it appeared on the other side of the map going straight south. And that's because it's almost exactly in the same spot all halfway across the world from each other. So they just flew north until they went around the top of the earth and flew south. Yeah. Which so. that's got to be weird when you're over the poles and the compass switches from flying north to south. Yeah. Without turning. Yeah. I never thought about that before. That's wild. Mm-hmm okay Ava yes. I heard you have a featured incident of the week for us I am very excited so about why don't this one. you why don't you bring us in
1: okay well I want to start by saying we've been talking about Delta Airlines a lot so I figured we'll keep it on this on the same subject so it was August 2nd 1985 a Lockheed l1011 tristar operating flight 191 encountered a micro a microburst while on approach to land at Tfw This plane was coming from Fort Lauderdale. It was scheduled to go to um, Los Angeles with a stop in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, DFW. Um, So, what happened was it encountered a microburst one mile short of the runway in uh, Dallas. 137 died and 25 people were injured. Of those um, people that died, 13 so there was 13 total crew three of the flight attendants survived every like all the other ones died um so if you don't know what a microburst is it is a sudden very powerful localized air current this can occur thunderstorms kind of anywhere with wind um so this was the NTSB investigated and it was a couple of different things um the crew's decision to fly through thunderstorms was one of the bigger ones obviously uh, along with the lack of procedures and training to avoid and escape microbursts, very important to know, and lack of hazard information on wind shears at the time. Uh, so 12 of the 24 surviving passengers, sorry, 25 surviving passengers were seated in a cluster near the tail or after the airplane. So it's pretty pretty interesting. I mean, you see always oh, see these accidents where... There's a cluster of passengers sitting in a certain spot of the plane, never the same spot of the plane, my ad. Um, that are kind of all almost just get lucky, I guess you could say. Um, so that was all kind of very, very interesting. So, yeah, but th-
0: this seems like quite the interesting incident here.
1: Yeah, and I will say. This uh, Delta Flight 191 crash resulted in the longest aviation trial in American history at that time, Wow! lasting 14 months. So it went from 1988 to 1989. Um, It also featured the first use of computer graphic animation as substantive evidence in federal court. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. So that is very interesting. Um, Court found that both government personnel and the Delta Flight crew were negligent, but that Delta... Was ultimately responsible because of its pilot's negligence, was the proximate cause of the accident.
0: Very interesting. And it looks like it was featured in many uh, films. Yes. But the most important part is what happened because of the crash. And it looks like the NTSB um, said that um, there was being significant improvement. Um, over response times due to localization of emergency services within airport regions. And the NTSB also um, decided to use um, localized 911 call centers just for aviation, Mm -hmm. as well as pilots were required to train and to react to microbursts quickly to take uh, evasive action in order to safely land the aircraft. A microburst is one of the most dangerous things a pilot can encounter within the air.
1: Have you ever encountered one?
0: No, because I would have died. In a small... Yeah, I would have died. ...small Cessna 172. They are almost irrecoverable. Mm-hmm. Plus, they only occur in thunderstorms, so it'd be kind of interesting if I encountered one, because that means I was flying in a thunderstorm. You,
1: you never know, though, you know? That is true. Um, but, you know, wind. I... Once I started actually flying, I never realized how much wind affects my life.
0: I mean, everything is based on wind.
1: Like, everything we do. I mean, we can't fly unless it's like... We can't fly if it's windy. We can't do some maneuvers if it's windy. I mean, it's the worst. Do ground reference maneuvers when it's windy. It's not even
0: flying. Everything weather-related is because of wind. Well, yeah, Thunderstorms, but rain... Like flying-wise,
1: I'm talking about. Heat,
0: cold. It's all wind. Yeah. All pressure.
1: I just, like... Wind is seri- like wind is literally affecting my education
0: that is something it's funny. crazy to think that should be like on your graduation cap yeah <laughs> wow
1: should have had that as like my senior quote for high school
0: yeah that would have been funny
1: but no I have a I have a good senior quote I think so of course yeah. but
0: wow so yeah quite the interesting yeah quite the unfortunate of course and interesting. Max, um, and I think, Ava, you said that there are some movies that were based on this.
1: Yeah, so one of the more popular movies, I had never heard of this, though, and neither of you, when we were talking about this before, the television movie Fire and Rain. Um, it was made in 1989. I am very interested now. I kind of want to watch it, but it says you have to rent it or buy it on Amazon Prime Video, and there's really nowhere else to watch it, so I might just have to rent it.
0: Yeah, that would be quite interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, also, obviously, made an appearance in air disasters or air crash investigation or Mayday, wherever you're watching it. Canada, um, U.S. I don't know. Where, I don't know where else. Um, it basically it taught people a lot about weather for sure. Um,
0: yeah, because it was the first incident that caused due to microburst that they were able to point down the microburst. Yeah. In um, most people don't know how dangerous they are. That's why when there's a thunderstorm in the area, um, your flight is delayed. It's not so much the lightning. It could be the winds. It's not so much the rain. could be still. Once yeah. again, these are all potential possibilities. Mm-hmm. But the microburst is the most detrimental uh, weather phenomena to occur during the thunderstorm.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll just kind of give a little history on where all these people are from. So of the dead. 7three originated from the Miami Miami metropolitan area 45 were from Broward County which is also in Florida 19 were from Palm Beach County and nine were from Dade County which is around Miami. Um, one of the passengers was Don Estridge known to the world as the father of the IBM PC He died along with, he died aboard the flight along with his wife, two IBM summer interns, four IBM employees and that were all from the IBM branch office in Burbank, California, and six additional family members of those employees.
0: That is very interesting. I had no idea about that. So, yeah, rest in peace to the passengers and crew on Delta Airlines flight 191.
1: Yeah. There will never again be a Delta Airlines flight 191.
0: No, there will not. That's one interesting thing about accidents in the aviation world. Once Mm -hmm. an accident happens, usually the flight number is then retired and not to be used again. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to get a Malaysia Airlines 370 oh, anytime in the future.
1: It's like, um, what was it, Flight 828? Yeah, Montego Air, Air Flight
0: 828 from yeah. the hit TV show Manifest.
1: Waiting for the second part of that
0: which yeah, They they When is that it? I think it was going to come out this summer, they oh, announced. Really? Yeah. I'm
1: so excited. Very I hope I can like watch it all in one day Because I so probably will
0: That has to deal with a lot of conspiracies right Yeah, yeah um, So I, I'm a, the, Our airport Our featured airport of the week Yes This week is Denver International Airport uh, Which opened in 1995 um, Believe it or not So it's a little bit newer airport uh, For United States standards
1: 10 years older than me Yeah <laughs>
0: And um, it is uh, our featured airport of the week. It is the largest airport in the Western Hemisphere by land area and the second largest airport on earth behind the King Fahid International Airport in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Um, It has the longest public use runway in North America, the seventh longest runway on earth, Um, The airport is a um, a hub for both United Airlines and Frontier Airlines, as well as the largest operating base for Southwest Airlines. It is the largest um, employer in all of Colorado with over 35,000 employees. And it is known as the Mile High Airport due to its um, elevation of 5,434 feet above sea level.
1: That is crazy.
0: That is quite crazy. Have you been there? I have been there a couple times.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, it is quite the interesting airport. It's got three concourses Mm -hmm. um, A, B, and C that are all satellite concourses. So they're only connected by a train underground, similar Mm -hmm. to Atlanta Airport. The plane train. (laughs) Yep. This one does not have a cool name, unfortunately. But um, one of the most interesting things is that Denver International Airport is considered the most haunted airport in the world due to its many conspiracy theories so the airport went way over budget during its um, initial operating phase Um, it is uh, ginormous it's gotten lots of unfortunate events such as during march 17 2003 during a blizzard the weight of heavy snow tore a hole in the terminal's uh, white fabric roof uh, which then um, also closed the main access road to the airport, closing the airport for three days. Another blizzard um, also ruined uh, the airport. Um And it um, has uh, about six major conspiracy theories.
1: I'm looking at these, and some of these are very interesting.
0: Yeah, so people say that the underground tunnels of Denver International Airport lead to secret meeting facilities for the world's elite, as well as people believe that it is connected to the New World Order, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, and some people say that Denver is home, to a colony of lizard people. So let's dive into these theories a little yeah. bit more. So the first one is that the New World Order built the airport, which the New uh, World Order is, um, I believe, a Aliens? synonym, or syn- synonym. What's was, was the synonym? Pseudonym? A synonym, um, which is um, for um, a the Illuminati. Or a uh, group of people that um, secretly engage in a government that controls all other governments. So the Illuminati. So people think that the Illuminati built the airport. And it's having, uh, has giant conference meetings uh, down below. Which, of course, Denver Airport says is not true. Uh, There are lots of things happening below you when you're in the airport, such as luggage being transported and people working on aircraft. However, uh, they state that there are no aliens. What's the next uh, conspiracy theory, Eva?
1: Um, Mustang, a beautiful statue, is cursed. So, um, the conspiracy was referred to as Lucifer or other names. Uh, Mustang is believed to be cursed due to it falling. Due to it falling on the artist Louise Jim Jimenez. Maybe I don't know how to pronounce his last name. In two thousand six. This occurred two years before it was installed at Denver International Airport.
0: Yeah. So, if you're not aware of Denver International Airport, as you're driving up on the uh, large road that leads only to the airport. Mm-hmm. There is a giant, about 12 foot tall statue. I don't know how tall it actually is, but we'll just say 12 feet for the sake of this mm-hmm. podcast of a blue horse with glowing devil red eyes that welcomes you to Denver International Airport. Isn't and that, that statue. While its sculptor was making it, fell on him and killed him. It didn't just hurt him; it killed him. And welcomes every single passenger to Denver International Airport.
1: So, did it kill? Like, did it kill him after it was finished, or?
0: Um, I, I believe it was finished, okay. but it was not installed yet.
1: So it must have not broken when it fell on him. It, I, well, it, it broke. Strong... It broke the guy. Yeah, the guy broke his fall.
0: Yeah. Well, Very interesting.
1: That's, yeah, that is interesting. You want to do the next
0: one? Yeah, so another one is that Denver, its coordinates, which I won't list totally, are given to the humans by the aliens in Steven Spielberg's hit movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that take you to Denver International Airport. However, it's interesting... Because um, they say that this this movie was filmed in 1977, which was before Denver International Airport yeah. was built. However, Denver says that this these coordinates are not the exact coordinates of the airport, uh, and therefore there are no um, there there there's no it's conspiracy false. theory here.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so Denver gargoyles are sinister. Um. I have never seen these gargoyles before.
0: Yeah, so there's gargoyles all over the airport. It was part of the Art Deco theme of okay. the Denver airport. Um, and um, the gargoyles are a symbol of the Illuminati and the New World Order. Uh, so um, the um, it is said that gargoyles sit on top of buildings to protect the site. And the, uh, the artists that made a lot of the architecture... For uh, Denver International Airport added the gargoyles to help ensure the safe arrival of baggage in the gate and the baggage claim area. And of course, Denver then took this a whole nother step and added a talking gargoyle that interacts with guests individually um, in the airport. That is, you can find right after security in the Denver airport. But quite funny, if you ask me.
1: That could be terrifying, but also very
0: entertaining at the same time. Another one is that they say there's secret messages hidden in the floor because the, um, the AUAG, uh, which are two elements, uh, which are gold and silver, uh, they are abbreviation for a deadly toxin, they say, which um, is Australia antigen, which they say is to the Illuminati's secret weapon to accomplish the mass genocide of the world. And, of course, the atomic symbols for gold and silver um, are representative of Colorado's rich mining history. Or are they? We shall never know.
1: Okay. (laughs) The last conspiracy is that Denver is very connected and not just to airline destinations. So the uh, airport tunnels are connected to Cheyenne Mountain, the home of NORAD, or the North American Aerospace Defense Command, thus creating a 120-mile escape route to survival bunkers.
0: Yeah, so that's quite interesting. So they say that there are tunnels all the way to NORAD.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So the reality was just stated in this that they say, We wish, if you'd like to visit Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado Springs, we offer direct flights daily. However, the hardened command and control center that was built as a defense against long-range Soviet bombers during the height of the Cold War is now closed to the general public.
0: They never say that there's no tunnels, though.
1: Yeah, they never. They never. They just say it.
0: that the NORAD communication center is closed. To is t- closed to the general public.
1: Field trip. I'm just kidding.
0: So the question is: Is there a secret tunnel from Denver International Airport to the NORAD? facility.
1: Either way, it's a 120-mile escape route.
0: That is quite the long distance. I mean, it's not that far if you drive. I think it's like two and a half, three hours if you drive to Colorado Springs. It's not that far. Um, yeah. We did it once.
1: I love Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs
0: though. Yeah. Colorado Springs is pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the six conspiracies that we have for you about Denver Airport.
0: And that was, that was your... I mean, I could list a little bit more about Denver Airport. Like I said, it's a main hub United Airlines, their training center actually happens to be in Denver, um, Big Hub or Frontier, Southwest, another um, Denver Air Connection is a small regional Mm -hmm. carrier that is based out of there, um, as well as um, Delta Airlines has quite a large route network out of there while they're not, of course, hubbed there. It could be considered a focus city for them. The top uh, destinations domestically are Las Vegas, uh, number one, Phoenix, and number two, Chicago, O'Hare, and number three. Number four is Los Angeles. And number five is Atlanta, Georgia, and the t- busiest international routes include Cancun, Frankfurt, Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, and Mexico City.
1: A lot of Mexico.
0: And surprising that Frankfurt takes that number two spot. Wow! But being a United hub, and as well as Lufthansa connecting service on their A340s and A350s, does make sense that they hit up there.
1: I do want to fly into Denver one day, so that I mean I bet that's like a beautiful. Beautiful view and sight to fly in and fly out of depends on the mountains.
0: What, from in my in my own experience, it depends what side of the plane you're sitting on. If you come in from our side of the country, the way they take you to the to the south or north runways, if you're on the mountainside, it's really beautiful. If you're not mm-hmm. on the mountainside, it, is, it looks like a desert. It is just like, blah, the Interesting. whole, all around. And the mountains are pretty far out from the airport, surprisingly. Although once you get on the ground, they seem a lot closer. Yeah.
1: I love mountains so
0: Mountains are really cool. Yeah. Well so that was the That was Denver International Airport. And not only that, that was our episode for the week. Yeah. That was episode number five of Through the Clouds podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything to say about?
1: Um I do not I'm looking forward to talking about the airshow next week.
0: Next sure. week is going to be Ava's episode. She's going to oh. talk all about the air no. show. She's going to report to us on her Delta and United experience, as well as mm-hmm. her LaGuardia, Miami, Key West, and Chicago O'Hare experience.
1: And I'm hoping by the time we film it next Monday, we'll probably hopefully have some actual flight stuff to tell you about.
0: Yeah. So behind makes,
1: the controls, I should say.
0: Behind the controls flight stuff to talk about. It should yeah. be very exciting. Well, that concludes episode number five of Through the Clouds podcast. I am your host, Jared Schiedemeyer. joined alongside Ava Albright. We hope you have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the warm weather if you have some. If it's not warm weather, we are very sorry.
1: Enjoy the cold weather while, it, while it's there.
0: Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at podcast to see some pictures from Ava's flight uh, coming up. Or should I say flights coming up this week? And send us an email over at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, to put in some aviation jokes or if you have any questions that you want us to address or if you want to see a particular airport or aircraft or accident yeah. discussed during the week, we would be happy to take suggestions.
1: It would be very interesting if someone had their own aviation news too. Yeah, That'd 100%. Cool.
0: Or if you want to share your own aviation stories, we would love to share that. So yeah. make sure you send us an email. We will share your accomplishment or whatever's mm-hmm. going on in your aviation world. And it does not have to be behind the controls. You'll we'll gladly take either some trip reports or whatever you got going on.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. So, yeah, that was episode five. We'll see you next week. Signing off for now. See ya.